we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We're going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, I know to many of you is familiar, and there's a danger often inherent when things are familiar to us that we might miss all that God has for us in this passage. There's also the thought that, well, we've heard that before, so there's not really anything new for us to hear. And while that may in some ways be true that there's nothing new for us to hear, uh, we do have a tendency uh, to forget those things which we know. (laughs) For example, we know we need to exercise, right? But uh, the difference between uh, those who know it and those who do it can be a big difference, right? And there are a lot of things we know to do that we just don't do. And in recent weeks, as I've been praying about this missions emphasis month in our church, uh, I believe God has been working in my heart uh, to become more aware of what God wants done in this world. Uh, Oftentimes when we pray, we pray in order to get God in tune with our needs. Lord, we have this need and we need you to respond to it. We have this concern and we need you to address it. This is important to me and so, Lord, I want it to be important to you. And by the way, we can rest assured that it is important to him. But the truth of the matter, God wants us to be concerned with what's important to him. He wants us to be concerned about what he is concerned about. And as we're going to see in this passage, God is concerned for the souls of men. Uh, We come to Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 16. And these events uh, came or followed his death on the cross and his resurrection. And so the Lord Jesus is making a post-resurrection appearance to his disciples in Galilee. We believe that this is most likely the time that he was seen uh, by more than 500 at one time. We come to verse 16. The Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Open our hearts and our minds to receive your truth. Remove from us any distraction that may hinder us from hearing your voice today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
The Lord Jesus, after his death and resurrection, appeared many times to his disciples. And what we read here in Matthew 28 is one of those appearances. It took place in Galilee, an amount that he had appointed. He told them I would, that he was coming to meet with them. And so they gathered to hear him. What was important, what was urgent, what was on his mind as he was preparing to ascend not many days after? Well, what was urgent and what was important to him was that his disciples understand that they were to continue with the mission that he had began. The mission that he came to fulfill in uh, the work of God to redeem sinful men and give them a home in heaven. And now that he had accomplished that work through his sacrificial death, now that he had uh, regained all that Adam had lost in the garden, the dominion that was given him had been regained by the Lord Jesus Christ through his sacrificial death and his glorious resurrection. He meets with his disciples to tell them what's next. And what's next, what's important, what's urgent, what is critical, and what is on the heart of God is that those who know him would go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This commission we call the Great Commission is given in all four gospel records. It is also given to us in the book of Acts. And if you would turn with me, please, to the book of Acts, to the first chapter. Because as the Lord speaks concerning what's on his heart and what was uh, important to him, uh, we find that the disciples were occupied with some different thoughts, just as we are often occupied with different thoughts, thoughts of preoccupation with our own lives or what's happening in our world. Uh, we, we have a tendency to overlook and miss what is important to God. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6, this is a different occasion when the disciples gathered, uh, a later occasion, and this was the occasion that preceded his ascension into heaven before he ascended into heaven. Verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? That was important to them. They were concerned about the nation of Israel, and they wanted the kingdom to be restored. They were under Roman occupation and Roman oppression, and they wanted a deliverer. That is the Messiah that all of the Jews were looking for. They did not understand that the Messiah was come to lay down his life for them, to make the payment for their sin. You see, the Lord Jesus did not come to deliver us politically. He came to deliver us from our sin to give us something greater than political deliverance, to give us eternal salvation and the forgiveness of our sin. And so the disciples gathered and they said, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They wanted to know what was going to happen next, and they were looking for a prophecy conference. Lord, tell us what you're going to do. When are you going to restore the kingdom? They didn't realize they'd walked into a missions conference. Notice in verse 7, he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. 
Don't be concerned about that, gentlemen. Verse 8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Here's what you need to be concerned about. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Those of you who know me, those of you who believe in me, he said, you have a job to do now. As I ascend to my Father, as I go to dwell with him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to continue in the work that I have begun, the work of redemption. I've completed all that is necessary to redeem man from sin, he would have said. But now it is your responsibility to carry that message to a lost and dying world. This is the mandate for missions. This is the mandate for the church. And oftentimes, just like the disciples here in verse 6, we have other thoughts and other ideas that, 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 that occupy our minds and, 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 and cause us to think a certain thoughts about what a church should do or what we should do. But what we need to understand is what God wants us to do. So as I said in the beginning of the, of the message, it's not so much the fact that we want God to be in tune with us. In fact, what God wants is for us to be in tune with him. And I'm praying as we enter into this missions emphasis month that God would help us to come into tune with him and remember what he has called us to do. He's not called us simply to be comfortable or to have a nice place to worship and to hear nice music and to have good programs for our kids. He's called us to take the message of the gospel into our community, into our Jerusalem, Hickory, North Carolina, and to help get that message across the world. And therefore, we take a month to say we want to emphasize what is important here and that is missions. Now, in Acts 1, the Lord Jesus told his disciples where they were to go. Go ye therefore. Remember, that was the statement we lifted from Matthew 28, verse 19. He tells them where he would like for them to go, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He said, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, that was their home base, and in all Judea, that was the region round about them. And in Samaria, that was the next region. Unto the uttermost part of the earth, begin at home and spread across the earth. There's no place to stop. Mark tells us in Mark 16 and verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere. May that be said of our church, that we went forth and preached everywhere, in the shops, in the factories, in, in the neighborhoods, in the schools, uh, in our community. May we fill our community with the truth of God's word, and may we partner with others who are filling other communities and other nations and other kindreds and tongues and tribes with the message of the gospel. That's why the Lord has commanded us to go ye therefore. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of Romans, and we see something that's very important. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9. The Bible says that Jesus came for this purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. 
all men are born in sin. For all have sinned, the Bible says in Romans 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. David said, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. We're born into sin as sinful people. Our parents are sinners and we were born with a sin nature. That's traced all the way back to the garden to Adam and Eve. And so all men have a problem. We're sinners. We're at enmity with God. And God who loves us sent his son to redeem us. In John 20 and verse 21, Jesus said, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. The father sent his son to become a man, to live a righteous, holy life, to lay down that life for us, to shed his blood as the sacrifice of our sin so that you and I could be forgiven of our sin so that you and I could share in the divine nature and the eternal life that Jesus Christ offers. He sent his son to do that. I want you to know that God has a heart for people. He's not just a national God or a God to a certain group. He is an international God. He loves all men. And thanks be unto God, he loves you. He sent his son. Now, the end result is to save sinners. And Paul tells us the way that we can be saved in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. If you'll look there with me, he says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You may be here this morning and you are not a Christian. You are not saved. You do not know that heaven is your home. Well, there's one way that you can know. There's one way that you can be saved from your sin and from your lost condition. And that is by believing in your heart the Lord Jesus is the son of God who was raised from the dead. And when you confess him with your mouth, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. Look at verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So two things have to happen. Number one, I have to believe in my heart. Number two, I have to confess with my mouth. Believing in my heart that I'm a sinner, that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for me, that he arose again the third day. Believing that in my heart, that the only way of salvation is through him and confessing that with my mouth, saying to him, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You're the son of God. I, I confess and repent of my sin and I turn to you by faith and I ask you to save me. Well, the Bible says that's calling on the name of the Lord. And so as I confess him with my mouth, as I believe in my heart, I am saved. Look again in verse 10. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever, verse 13, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that a comforting verse? 
What do I have to do? I have to believe. Remember when the, the jailer said to Paul that night, the Philippian jailer, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So believe him, confess him. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? In other words, you can't call unless you've believed. And how should they believe in whom they have not heard? Well, you can't believe unless you've heard about the message of the gospel. That's where you and I come in. How shall they hear without a preacher? Oh, now we're getting a little more specific. You mean we got to find a preacher, a, a pastor to talk to somebody about their soul? Oh, no, no. That could be anybody who knows the Lord. All they're doing is proclaiming the message of the gospel. And that's what we're to do. Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? In other words, unless we've been sent with a message, then they can't hear the message. If they can't hear the message, they can't believe. And if they don't believe, they certainly can't call. So it all begins with this truth that we have been sent. We've been sent. Remember the words of Jesus, John 20, 21. I, I mentioned them a moment ago. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. You see, God initiated this salvation. We didn't. He came to us. And now he commands those who know him to go to a lost and dying world to bring to them the news of the message of the gospel. Thus he says in Matthew 28 and verse 19, go ye therefore. I want you to understand that commission, that responsibility belongs to every believer who's in this room and every believer outside of this room. We have been commissioned to go therefore. This is what's on the heart of God. This is what is important to God. And God desires that you and I would get in tune with him. That this church would get in tune with him. That we would be a going church. Now, we're going to note some things in this passage as we go. And I hope you'll write them down. First of all, number one, we go in the power of Christ. That means we go in his authority and we go in his strength. Notice what he says to his disciples. Let's go back into our text in Matthew 28 and verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I want you to know that Jesus is the supreme authority of this universe. He is the ruler. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Now, Peter explained this on the day of Pentecost as he preached to the Jews. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 32, he says this, This Jesus hath God raised up, 
whereof we all are witnesses. Remember now, many in Jerusalem had heard of the resurrection of Christ. Many had seen him, and many knew that the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that they tried to cover it up by bribing the guards at the tomb to say somebody had carried him away. That was commonly reported. It's amazing that Peter makes this claim, and nobody in Jerusalem disputed it. That ought to give us confidence today. He said, we are all witnesses of his resurrection. Nobody was able to dispute that. Verse 33, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. So he quotes the psalm. And he speaks of the fact that David was speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is the Savior, the Son of God, the Messiah. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He rules and reigns. That's the message. And the Lord Jesus, having received authority and power, gives that authority to us and commissions us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So what right do I have to speak to somebody about their soul? I have the authority of the Lord Jesus. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, now then, in verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. We're his messengers. We're his representatives. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. What is our job? Our job is to represent him in our conduct, in the way that we live our lives, and in our spirit, and to represent him with our words, to communicate his message of reconciliation to lost sinners, that he loves them, that he desires to forgive them and to save them and give them a home in heaven. This is the authority by which we have been sent. We're on a royal errand. We're serving the king. And may we not be distracted. Our Lord has power and he has dominion. And may God help us to go in his power. We see a second thing here. We go according to the purpose of Christ. What is his purpose in the Great Commission? Well, it's given to us in verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word teach, that's a verb. In the form or using a noun, a noun which we know as the word disciple. And so what he's telling us here is that this purpose that he has is that we would make disciples. That's the purpose of this commission. That's the purpose of the church. It is an imperative command that we would make disciples. Now, we need to understand what a disciple is. 
I think there are many today who want to check a box or say a prayer and say, well, I'm a believer, I'm saved, and I'm going to heaven. But how many of them could honestly say, I am a disciple? What is a disciple? He's a follower. He's a learner. He's an imitator of Christ. Let me, let me describe it uh, the way that George Peters describes it in his book, The Theology of Missions. He says, the biblical concept of Christian discipleship must always be interpreted to involve humble following, constant fellowship, undisputed obedience, ready submission, heroic faith, arduous labor, unselfish service, self-renunciation, patient suffering, painful sacrifice, and cross-bearing. He concludes by saying this, it is the bringing of all of life under the lordship of Christ. You see, in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, you'll find over 270 references to following the Lord and being his disciple. One of those we find in Matthew 16. I want to invite you to turn there with me, would you? Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 24. Jesus describes what a disciple looks like. It's more than going to a church every, every once in a while or to a Bible study group. What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of him? Matthew 16 and verse 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Well, he gives us three things there, right? Deny himself. Are you willing to deny yourself in a world that says, hey, make yourself happy? Fulfill your hopes and dreams. If you want it, work for it and get it. You deserve it. That's the world that we live in. The message of Christ is deny yourself. Why in the world would we deny ourselves? We would deny ourselves because what is important to us is what is important to God. And it's not our comfort, and it's not our pleasure, and it, it's, it's not satisfying our ego or feeding our every foolish craving. What ought to be important to us is that we pursue the souls of men in honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to do so, we should be willing to deny ourselves. In this month, we will ask you to make a commitment to give on a regular basis to our missions offering. Well, if you have giving envelopes, you'll notice if you're a member of our church or you're a visitor and you've picked one up, there's a general fund, there's a faith promise mission offering, and there's a tabernacle fund. Uh, we, the general fund is our tithes and offerings. The tithe, the tenth, belongs to the Lord. We believe that. That's what the Bible teaches. Our faith promise offering is an offering above that that we pledge to give on a regular basis, whether it be weekly or monthly or bi-monthly. 
And that money is given to our mission fund and then distributed to our missionaries to support them in their work or to help with special projects as the church approves or as the deacons approve. What we encourage every member of our church to do is to give some amount to that fund. And in a world where we don't think a whole lot of going and spending $5 to get a cup of coffee or a Bojangles biscuit or whatever it is that is your snare and temptation, I don't think it's asking much to deny ourselves, is it? Because of what's important to the Lord. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. The cross is, cross is an instrument of death. An instrument of death. Does that mean that Jesus wants us to physically die for him? Well, that could be true in some cases, but the more difficult part is to sacrifice your life for him, to reckon yourself dead, to allow him to live in and through you, to accomplish not your hopes and dreams and aspirations, but what he desires to do through you. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. By the way, if you had a seminar on this verse, you wouldn't have a lot of people attending. You wouldn't sell a lot of CDs. You wouldn't have a lot of views on YouTube. You wouldn't have a lot of people excited about it, would you? Very few followers on Instagram. Follow me. Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. In other words, if you just try to live for self and, and for you, you'll lose it. But whosoever will lose his life, give it up. For my sake shall find it. You'll experience joy and blessings and contentment and peace that you've never known and will never know apart from following Jesus. Verse 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The soul is eternal. The things of earth are temporal. Let's make wise selections. We go according to the purpose of Christ. What is the commission? To make disciples. What is the mission of the church? To make disciples. And who do we make disciples of? All nations. Notice again in Mark, or Matthew rather, verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's all people. Now we live in a world that is divided along national lines, ethnic lines, racial lines, but I want you to know the gospel recognizes no boundaries. The heart of God recognizes no boundaries. No political boundaries, no racial boundaries. God loves all people. Now, you say, well, what about the nation of Israel? Aren't they God's chosen people? Yes, they are. And why were they chosen? Well, let me tell you why Abraham was chosen. He was chosen so that he could be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. God raised up the nation of Israel so that the world would know who God is. Not just because he loved Israel more than he loved the world, because God has always been a God who loves all men. And the gospel has always been a message for all men. 
David boldly proclaimed in the Old Testament as he went to fight Goliath, he said, I'm coming to fight you that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. When they see a little 16-year-old kid defeat a mighty giant nearly 10 feet tall, a man of war, they're going to know there's a God in Israel. And they knew it. Jonah, who was an Israelite, was commissioned to go to Nineveh, another nation, another people, but not just any nation, not just any people, a wicked and violent people. And he carried to them the message of God, and they repented, and they were spared. God is a God of all nations. Let me quote from George Peters in his book, A Biblical Theology of Missions. He said, Our Lord thinks in terms of the nations of the world with no particular nation to be preferred. God is not a respecter of persons. Christians must learn to think internationally, interracially, and interculturally if they are to fulfill the commission of the Lord. The fact is well presented by Luke in the book of Acts. Here the gospel of Jesus Christ crosses all barriers and boundaries, geographical, national, cultural, linguistic, religious, and racial. The church in Acts was indeed multiracial, international, and multicultural. And let me just say the church in Hickory ought to be the same. We're not some exclusive club for a certain sect of society. We are the messengers of Jesus Christ who have a responsibility to take the gospel to all men. So we go, number one, in the power of Christ. We go, number two, according to the purpose of Christ. What is his purpose? To make disciples. Where do we find them? Among all nations. Number three, we go with the plan of Christ. What is his plan? Well, it's quite simple, and it's laid out for us. Look again, please, if you would, in verse number 19. Go. <laughs> see that word? Maybe you'd underline that word, go. And then we see the word in, in verse 19, and teach. There's another verb. That's the imperative verb. That's the, the prominent point of this commission is that we would make disciples. Then the third verb we see in verse 19, baptizing, baptizing. And then in verse 20, the opening word, teaching. You see, the purpose of the commission is to make disciples, but there's a plan, there's a process involved, and there are three steps to the plan. I've shared part of it with you. Number one, go to all people. Go to all people. We have a responsibility to go. You have a responsibility to go. Well, where am I supposed to go? Am I supposed to pick up and move to Africa? Well, that may be true for some people, but not for all people. Some of you just have to go to work tomorrow. Or you have to go to the store on the way home from church today. And as you go, teach all nations. In the stores, in the factories, in the offices, in the communities, at the events in the community, in the ballparks, and, 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 and the gymnasiums, and, and, and the, the workout facilities that you uh, move in and out of, go. And what do you do? You talk to people about Jesus. It's an easy plan. 
It's not followed easily, but it's easy to understand. Go. We have a responsibility to go. We also have a responsibility, a responsibility rather, to send those who God calls. The church sends out those who God calls. And God may raise up in this church, and I pray he does, missionaries who will go. And we will send them. And then we have a responsibility to support them. Support them how? Prayerfully through our prayers and financially through our giving. That's why we make this an important part of our stewardship at Tabernacle Baptist Church. So number one, go to all people. Number two, baptize converts. Baptism is important. If you're a believer and you're not baptized, you need to make a, a public statement uh, to confess Christ and identify with him and his church. You see, when those uh, first century Christians were baptized, it made, a, it made a, a statement that they were no longer identifying themselves simply as Jews trusting in the law to save them, but now they were identifying themselves as followers of Christ trusting only in Jesus to save them. So baptizing them, that's an important part of the commission, and that ought to be an important thing in your life if you have not followed Jesus as a believer in baptism. And then number three, teach his commandments in order that they obey him. Notice, if you would please, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, we can't sit down in a 45-minute session and teach you all things he's commanded you. But three times a week, we strive to do that, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Our Sunday school program is a part of that. The pulpit ministry of this church is a part of that. It is part of teaching you the truth of God's word, to know his commands and to obey his commands. And in this hour in which we live, where evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, we don't need less of God's word. We need more of it. So a disciple, I'm not talking about a casual check-the-box Christian who just is looking for fire insurance, pardon the expression. I'm talking about a serious follower of Jesus. It's going to be a student of the Bible, faithful to the meetings of the church, attentive to the message proclaimed and responsive to it. That's the plan of Christ. And that's why we do what we do. Well, let me give you the last thing in conclusion. We go with the presence of Christ. Notice, if you would, please, in verse 20, and lo, or behold, listen, pay attention to this. It's getting really good. It's even getting better. Here it is. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. As you go, you're not going alone. He's going with us. Aren't you glad to know that? I mean, into a world that's hostile toward the message of Christ, I mean, what are people going to think of me? I might get the door slammed in my face. They may brand me a certain way. They may talk about me behind my back. That's okay because Jesus is going with us. I won't know what to say, and I, I won't know how to do this, and, and I haven't learned all the things that need to be said. That's okay. Just be yourself and tell them what you know, and Jesus is with you. He's your partner. 
He's your partner in this effort. Not only has he called you to it, but he partners with you. Listen to this statement in Mark 16 and verse 20. And they went forth, that's the disciples, and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. What a special thing. When you go and tell somebody about Jesus, he's with you, and he's working with you. He's your partner and confirming the word with signs following. We go with the presence of Christ. He's my partner. He's in fellowship with me. Paul said this in Philippians 3 and verse 10, that I may know him. That was the desire of Paul's heart, that I may know him. Before that, the desire of Paul's heart was that he would be somebody and that people would know him. And he tells us in the preceding verses here before verse 10 about all of his accomplishments and, how, and the stature and the recognition that he had and the achievements that he enjoyed. But he said, I count all of that just loss. Uh, that stuff doesn't matter to me anymore. You see, I've come more in tune with God. And I've discovered something Paul said. The greatest thing is not that people know who I am. The greatest thing is that I know who he is. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I want you to know when we go, we go with the presence of Christ. He is our partner and he is our companion in fellowship and we get the joy of knowing Christ. And so the Bible tells us that we're to go. Go ye therefore. How do we go? Well, we go in his power, with his authority. That's a great comfort, isn't it? You look at all that's happening in this world and you think, man, it's all falling apart. But I want you to know God is in control. And I get confidence from that. But I also understand that there is appointed, an appointed day for all of us who have been sent to stand before him and give an account for what we've done with what we've been told. And he's expecting a report from us on how it went when we went. And if we didn't go, that won't be a good day. So let's go in the power of Christ. Yes, we recognize our insufficiency and our inability. Yes, we recognize that, but we go in the power of Christ. We go according to the purpose of Christ, understanding that we're making disciples, but we can't make something that we aren't ourselves. So we must learn to be disciples. And who do we go to? Just a certain group? No, we go to all people, all people. And may God give us a heart for all people. And how do we go? Well, we go with the plan of Christ. We go, we preach, we witness, we share the gospel, we baptize converts, and we teach them to observe his commandments. That's why Wednesday night discipleship is important. We're learning his commandments and how to obey them. And then we go with the presence of Christ. He's our partner. He's with us. We're not alone. Thank you for listening. 
We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.